Hi, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that your girl is on Patreon. What else is going on podcast, aka Wego, W-E-I-G-O, is on Patreon. So if you feel so inclined and want to support your girl that way, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Wego podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wego podcast, W-E-I-G-O podcast. Now, if you don't want to be on a monthly recurring thing, I totally understand that. But if you want to support, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash Wego, W-E-I-G-O. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash W-E-I-G-O. Because you know, a girl be trying to put in some work and a coffee could help me stay awake. So those are your two options. And if you don't want to do either of those things, if you could rate, review, and subscribe and share with your friends, I would love that. Now, on to the episode. And the following podcast is a CJ Media Production. Welcome to the What Else Is Going On podcast, the intersection where pop culture life and real life meet up. Get ready to deep dive into all things reality TV and the dichotomy of loving the game, but not necessarily the players when they start to reflect real-life issues like deep-seated discrimination and a world rooted in racism. Feeling conflicted because I love... Clip! 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 And I also have to chant, Black Lives Matter. Buckle your seatbelts and brace yourselves because my foot is off the brake and this intersection gets busy. So come along for the ride so we can see what else is going on. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. So today I have an actual real life friend with me and I said I was going to be professional like her. So like you guys couldn't see me, but I counted down three, two, one, and she started laughing and I wish she had a laughed into the mic so you could have heard her. She has an amazing speaking voice. She is so smart. She, you could talk to her about anything. I am Jewish by proxy. I told her, I said, you know how people say I have a black friend? Is that me like saying I have a Jewish friend? And she's like, no, not really the same. <laughs> if you don't know by that laugh, please welcome my friend Mandy from Is This Real Life? Hi, Taria. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm so glad I can be your Jewish friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can't say that I am Mandy's black friend because I think Mandy is the only white person I know or Jewish person I know that knows just about as many black people as I do. Cause I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I, you know, I told you when I met you, I, we, we talked for a while and yes, really oh like connected. And I was like, I don't know. There's something about black women that just, yep. I'm drawn to. I feel like black women, um, are really smart decision makers. And, you know, I work in kind of politics and public health, and I kind of always look at who black women tend to flock to in terms mm-hmm. of candidates, because I just value your opinion so much. And not that black women are a monolith at all. You no, know, I know. Women can have many yeah. different opinions, but if 90% of black women feel a certain way about a candidate or a certain topic or you know, someone famous, I'm like, ah, that's probably the right opinion. <laughs> well, I feel like we talked about our cultures are very similar. Yes. And you did a podcast with 
Norton Artie from Is This Real Life last week. And I forget the word that you used, but it was when your mom um, didn't want you to go camping or didn't want you to go somewhere. She would say only certain people do that. Oh, goyish, yeah. non-Jewish people. She would just be like, oh, no, no goyish people go camping. Jewish people do that. don't do that, Mandy. <laughs> so you guys have that in your culture. Remember last year when Garcelle was talking to Teddy about drinking the placenta and she said, Oh, that's white people stuff. Yeah, so we each <laughs> we each have our own. So I feel like we're really similar. We bonded over a well. I mean, we bonded, but like I think what cemented our bond was watching a, a African American church and a Jewish. Do I call it a church? I'm still a synagogue. Learning. A synagogue. That's right. Mm-hmm. I should know that. A synagogue. Um, they. So it was COVID. So Mandy's rabbi yeah my rabbi okay her rabbi in the synagogue and the pastor at this um ame church they are friends mandy you tell the story because i don't want to get it wrong no no so um (laughs) i in dc go to a a cool synagogue called sixth and i and the rabbi is actually leaving it unfortunately we're really sad to see her go but i think she's going to take on some um important social justice work moving forward today is her uh, final shabbat yeah well we'll we'll see what she she's been doing social justice work this whole time okay as the lead rabbi of sixth and i and the synagogue I go to used to be an AME church. It was a synagogue and then it was an AME church and then it was a synagogue again. And they formed a relationship with that church that moved out to Maryland because most of the congregates moved to Maryland. And um, for every year for Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, that Friday, the congregates from the church would come to our synagogue and do a Shabbat Friday night service with us. And Sunday morning, we would go to the church and do a Sunday morning church service with them. And our choir and their choir would get together and you know you can imagine whose choir is better (laughs) very obvious (laughs) it's painful (laughs) to to watch them (laughs) try to sing next to each other but but they've been doing the service and so during covid they did it online and i said oh my god i totally forgot taria but i really want you to watch this with me my synagogue is doing this uh friday night Shabbat service and this pastor from the AME church is is joining and it wasn't just a service they actually filmed mm-hmm. them going to Philadelphia to different historical sites for like the first AME church and mm-hmm. like the history behind the AME churches and the history behind black church movements and then also to um, uh, I believe it was a museum about American Jewry mm-hmm. um, in Philadelphia and they both shared their experiences and also how even though they were close friends, there were certain things that, you know, they didn't talk about Mm -hmm. with one another and how the Black Lives Matter, like resurgence after the murder of George Floyd led, you know, the rabbi to be like, you know what, even if this is uncomfortable, I'm going to start these conversations with and, and, and back and forth. And it brought them even closer. And it was a really moving, moving thing to be a part of. Yes. What Mandy didn't know she did was well see I didn't know that I was going to be so impacted. I just thought I was going to watch it and Mandy sends it to me and I was doing an IG live and I'm sitting I'm doing my makeup I'm like oh I get to do my makeup I'm doing my eyes Mandy and I are literally watching at the same time and it was so moving watching everything and then they were singing a song that I loved when I would sing when we would go to my church and I'm crying. I'm like, Mandy, I'm crying. Oh my God, my, my makeup. But it was so, I honestly feel like it, I was really nervous about the live too. And I think it really 
just kind of calmed me down and gave me that feeling that not feeling so frantic, but we really bonded over that. And I will never forget that because I probably bring it up once a week. Maybe once every two weeks. Oh, amazing. I was like, we need to like podcast about like the history of American Jews and like American, you know, black people and and, like the, our people's uh, history. There's a lot people need to learn, you know? Now, do you feel like it's, it's so crazy how we have so much in common, like minorities, not just blacks, black people and Jews, but also Hispanic, Latina, we have a lot in common but we still it's almost like sometimes there's fighting amongst us against each other and I just want to be like you know we have so much in common totally and I think I mean Noor talks about this from the reality is a lot but like that's what white supremacy is trying trying to divide us and it's really easy to focus on our differences and to fight about when one person from a group says the wrong thing rather than bring them in and try and have these conversations and Mm -hmm. educate each other, you know, because not everyone knows all the right things to say or do or anything like that. And we can unintentionally hurt people, you know, and just knowing that, you know, let's not assume people's heart is in the wrong place and let's have a conversation. I I feel like even I, I feel like I could, I understand that concept because outside of racially, there's also like things now that we used to say in our generation that you don't say anymore. So a lot of times I will ask my kids, my teenagers, wait, is this okay to say? Like we were talking about something and we were talking about a woman and she was, I said, oh, she's part of the LGBTQ. I said, did you guys know she had that there was like an article, it was a singer, a young singer, and it says it said that she came out. And I was like, oh, did you guys know that uh, she was part of LGBTQ um, plus? And they were like, yeah, we don't know why they're saying she came out because we kind of knew she dated girls. And I forget how we got on the subject. And I said, oh, so she's, um, what did I say, LGB? I said, so she would be the B, the bisexual. And my daughter started laughing. And I immediately was like, Am I not? Do we not use that word anymore? She was like, no, mom, it's fine. But the fact that you just said it and not just like, oh, she's LGBTQ. I was like, okay, (laughs) like, so, but is it okay to say that? She was like, yes, mom, it's okay. So I'm like, okay, I just want to be sure, you know, that I'm saying the right. Yeah, just like Ramona trying to, you know, sell real estate in New York and not using the term master bedroom or his and hers bathrooms. <laughs> now, okay, so what's funny is I was listening. Yeah, I was listening to you. You talked about that with Nora. And okay, so yes, I was laughing. So the master bedroom to me, this is funny. And then I had to say, well, Taria, you got to think outside of just you because I was like, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I know that master. But I get if, if we're trying to move stuff forward, it's too kind of hard for people to be like, oh, we could say this and that. So how about we just cut it all out? And then his and her didn't even realize that like, oh, that's true. Because what if it's to him? What if it's to hers? Or what if they don't identify as either? Mm-hmm. So that was so funny. Ramona, what I can appreciate, should I say appreciate? We know what we're going to get from her. And to me, that causes me a little bit of easiness, like because the housewives that we don't know. So when she said invalids, 
I almost threw my phone at the TV. I was like, did she just say invalid? (laughs) Ramona's nuts. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some of the pushback that we're feeling and, you know, with like pushback against cancel culture and all this crap is people feeling like there's too many rules and too many things you can't say. And if you do the wrong thing, then you're permanently canceled and no one wants anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the goal. And I I think real estate is also a little bit of a different situation where you're trying to sell someone something and you don't want to offend them. So in order to not offend them, you're always trying to do things that are more likely to make them purchase a piece of property with you. I think that's very different from me saying, oh, I'm getting my master bathroom updated. Right. And you, if you're uncomfortable with that term saying, you know what? I'd appreciate it if you said it this way or the primary Mm -hmm. bathroom room. Oh, okay. Hadn't thought about that. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. Conversation between friends. I just think that there's so many people that are overwhelmed by the new quote unquote rules, you know, that are of my parents' generation that do feel like, can I do anything right now? You know, and I think it's really important to focus on that. Like, it's not about being right or wrong. It's just about making people feel more included in the conversations that were yes. all happening. And I, I, I it, it, it dawned on me, especially church people can definitely do that. And I said, outside of church, if I'm doing something as your friend that you don't agree with, you would still love me and you're not going to beat me. You maybe not, not even talk about it because we just, you're just my friend. You're leading with love. So I feel like even with churches, if you don't agree with something, you don't have to lead with hate and be exclusive when the church is supposed to be inclusive, you know? So that, that's what bothers me about a lot of things. It's like, Like you said, it's a call, as Stephanie says, a call in, not a call out. And if it's something that doesn't need to be called in and you don't agree, okay, but still love the person. And like, we don't need to be having the conversation to the person about it. You know what I mean? I've started telling people, if you feel like I'm doing something wrong, just pray for me that. (laughs) And I'm going to do that for you. That's one of my favorite sort of like, I guess my mom would probably have called it a goyish saying, like, I'm going to pray for you because we in Jews, we don't really say that. Okay. Um, At least not the, my family or people I know, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to pray for you or bless your heart. Like those kinds of phrases are, are not, you know, things I grew up hearing, but I love them. I I, when you talk about your mom like that, I really wish I could have met her because I would have loved to have mess, mess with her and just say stuff. So she, I'd be like, you know, you love me. Like, <laughs> just mess with her. <laughs> yeah, and, no, you would definitely like her. Um, it's so funny. She, I'm trying to think of who she it was either someone at work or someone who was a client of hers at work, mm-hmm. who is a black woman who could not call her by her first name, felt like it was a rude thing to just call her Debbie. And oh, yeah, you, she yeah. wanted to call her, you know, Mrs. Miss Slutsker. Debbie. And my mm-hmm. mom just didn't like to be called that. <laughs> she was like, that's too formal. This is like, you know, I'm the social worker here. Just call me Debbie. And so then she called her Miss Debbie. 
that okay, was like yeah. they, they settled on Miss Debbie. Yeah. And so I remember mom being like, I just don't know why she can't go with Debbie. <laughs> I'm telling her it's no big deal. But she, my mom goes, you know, and the woman was from the South. And she oh. said, so it's she goes, I didn't realize it was such a cultural thing that my mom's like, I just don't want to feel old. Don't make me feel old. I'm not that old. I was just thinking before you said it, I was thinking she should have just called her Miss D then just to kind of, you know, it's funny. This is wild that you bring this story up. This is no less. So I was in the grocery store yesterday. I told you before we started um, and I was getting soap powder. I don't know. I had to have been listening to a podcast to trigger this, but I was walking by the drinks because they've redecorated and I was listening to someone and I was like, I would never call somebody even at 44 by their first name if they're like, so I became friends with one of the reverends at our church. She does our marriage ministry, but we would also as couples hang out. I would never just call her. It was hard for me to just say Eva. So I wouldn't say miss. I would say Rev Eva because you're taught to respect titles. And I was in like third or fourth grade. And there was a lady at my church around my mom's age. So I would call her Joyce and I kept doing it just to see if I could get away with it. My mom would have slapped my lips off had she heard me. And finally, one Sunday, she was like, you don't call me Joyce. You call me Miss. Do you understand? I was like, yes. So you're not, you better not. People, all of uh, Skye's and Corey's friends and even Ariel's friends, Miss Taria. Mr. Corey. so funny. I've never been corrected on that. Like growing up, I think I called like my parents friends or, or not my parents friends, my, my friends' parents. Right. Yes. yes. I would say, oh, Mrs. London or Mrs. Whoever. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually they would just say, oh, no, call me Lisa. Call me, you know, and then I kind of did, I guess I didn't. um, I don't know. I think there is uh, less formality like where I grew up. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in, in Minnesota and I just don't think people are as into titles. People are very polite. Yes. But I don't think there's this idea that if you call someone by their, their first name, that is a sign of disrespect mm-hmm. if you're younger than them. But okay. this is a common theme, and it's not just in the U.S. When I lived in Bangladesh, mm-hmm. you if a woman was older than you, you added appa, which means sister, to oh. after. So it would be um, if their name was Taria, it would be Taria Appa. And uh, for Corey, it would be you'd add pie, which meant brother. So wow. Corey pie. And so I got so used to doing that for because almost everyone I knew was older than me at that time. OK, there. so everyone was something Appa or something pie. And it was I thought it was a nice cultural thing yes. that, you know, showing signs of respect. But so are you saying you want to give me a nickname? You can. We're close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was it was a really cool experience to, you know, whenever you go somewhere, you want to adapt to the culture where you are and and, you know, all of that. But I certainly want to be called Mandy for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So when my kids meet you, what should they call you? We're established Mandy. Mandy, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) They're probably going to go. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. No need to miss Mandy or. Yeah. None of that. They're going to be like. (laughs) like you can say I remember um I had friends that called my mom Mrs. Lutzker and she goes oh that's my dead (laughs) mother-in-law okay I was gonna say because that's what people say when you're called like if someone called me Mrs. Faison I think of my mother-in-law right yeah not like so that's that's okay that's so 
funny. Oh God, I, I would have messed with your mom so bad. I'd be like, Miss D. She was so funny. I remember when I was like, I don't know, 22, when I, I think I was 22 when I got my first like job, like nine to five job. Okay. And I was like, I can't believe they let me do this. Like, I can't believe they like accepted my security clearance. And all. like, I feel like I am too young. Like <laughs> I know I'm doing this and I know I like can, but it just feels like I'm pretending to be an adult. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. And yes. I, my mom's at Manny. I still feel like that. I still feel like I'm 22 and you know, yeah, I have osteoporosis now <laughs> Whenever I'm older, but like in my mind, I'm still 22 and I'm like, yep. I can't believe they let me have, you know, children and I can't believe they let me get married and I'm just like faking it, you know? And she's yes. like, you never stop feeling like you're kind of faking it at being yes. an adult. I sometimes literally will be driving and it's so weird. I'm a good driver. Uh, sometimes I go too fast. I get it sometimes, you know, I feel like that's the Jersey or whatever, but there's times that I'll literally be driving and I'm like, I'm allowed to drive wherever I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's because, like, you know, <laughs> it's you know what I mean? I, I talked about this this week briefly on my podcast, but I wasn't allowed to have a TV in my room growing up. And there was like some rules around the TV and mm-hmm. think they just didn't want us like in front of it all the time yeah. and stuff. So it was really a treat to have it. And so when I got old enough, I was like, I want a TV in my room just because I can. Okay. Right. And so sometimes I put it on just because I can. It feels like such a treat, like almost like I'm doing something bad. Yep. You know, it's yep. like, ooh, I have the TV on and it's in my room. <laughs> room. <laughs> and it's been so many years since I was a child, but yet there's still something, you know, to about that. that. I have a girlfriend that I used to work with. Uh, she lives in South Carolina now, and she didn't get to have, like, growing up, it was, you know, sometimes you may have money struggles in your family, sometimes not. So you ate what was prepared for you. And, and even if you didn't want it, you ate it. So I remember us working and she would go out to eat a lot, like for lunch and this. And she was like, you know what? I have money. You know, she made really good money. She could take care of herself. She's like, I eat sometimes just because I can get it. Not even because I'm hungry, because when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I couldn't get always get what I wanted. And I was like, that makes so much sense. She was thinking about food. I'm going to go a little R-rated for a moment. I was like, I can have sex whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just like, oh, as long as there's <laughs> consent, <laughs> you can have sex with yourself whenever you want. <laughs> yes. I don't feel like it tonight, Taria. Girl, come on. <laughs> yeah, man, that's good. I feel like I feel like I need to put out a trailer for this podcast, and, and it's going to be you saying, "As long as there's consent." <laughs> See what I mean, guys? She keeps me on the straight and narrow. I like Mandy too, because she'll challenge my thinking because sometimes when you feel like, you know, and you remind me of my dad, which is funny because I cannot wait. You like are going to meet my dad one day and y'all are going to have good conversation. He, um, when I say something to him, I know I need to have A, B, C, D, and E. And sometimes I'll know A through Y, but I may Miss Z and you will pick up well, you will be like, oh well, and I'm like, how did she pick up the Z? And I knew A through Y. But it keeps me, I like that because it, it's like, oh yeah, look into it, look into it, look into it. So I appreciate you for that. I can't wait 
till you meet my dad, especially like with government and all that kind of stuff. Oh my God. I, I, I'm be like, so fun to chat. Dad, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And I, and you always give me different perspective. I remember you were telling me it was Drew Sedora and oh, her yeah. son. And I felt she was being a little exploitative of her son and kind of forcing him to meet his biological father mm-hmm. on camera and stuff like that. And you gave me a different perspective. I was like, Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yep. And I appreciate that. I am always one to take in new information yes, yes, and recalibrate and change opinions. I'm never, I'm, I will never stick to something just because I believe it. If you show right. me something different, my beliefs will change. Right. You know? or, or even if you don't agree, you, you will say, I see it. I just don't agree, but yeah. you, you don't discount it. So that's one thing I'm learning too. I think it's hard because growing up to goes back to growing up in the house I did, if it's in black and white, then you need to believe the black and white. There is no alternate except for when it came to God, which is very a, a, a mind too. Cause it's like, even for people who don't believe in God, but believe in the universe or whatever, it's like, you believe what I put in front of you, or you believe the black and white you see. Again, my dad was always fact, 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 but we believe in God who we cannot see. Now, yeah, I mean, you may want to say creation of the trees, but it's just when you really sit down and think about it, it's like, huh, which also lets you know that you can change your mind because if oh, you can I, believe two drastically different things, you know, I think it's important to change your yeah, mind. Yeah. I, if someone never changes their mind then they're not learning and they're not growing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and part of, I don't know if it was just how I was taught or just, uh, I was very immersed in Judaism growing up. Um, and so much of it is asking questions. It's more focused on the questions sometimes than even the yeah, answers because that, the yeah. answers there's never really one right answer. It's like, it could be A, it could be B. Some rabbis think this, some rabbis think that. You could look at it this way if it's presented this way or that way. And so I loved poking holes in arguments and okay. trying to figure out people's reasoning. Okay. And so I, and that's part of what I do with work is I'm always thinking ahead about, okay, this is something I want to do, but I need to be able to explain my entire line of thinking and my entire theory of change. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to come at me and ask, why are we going about it this way? What is your strategy? I have to have an entire strategy worked out. And so I go through and I wrestle with myself and come up with answers to tough questions because I know that when I take it to my boss and she asks those questions, which she will, I'll have an answer. So you basically have to poke holes in your own theories as well, just to make sure we'll try to put to make sure that they stick like, oh, okay, this is why this is why. Yeah. Like, why are we doing it this way? Why are we trying to why are we focusing on this bill and not that bill? Why are we trying to get it passed by this person, not that person? Why are we introducing it at this, you know, day or with these different people signed on or without a co-sponsor from the other party or whatever it is? Okay, you have to kind of think through everything. And I, and I love doing it and I love challenging myself and my thinking. And Mm -hmm. I, I love being challenged. I don't view it as um, people arguing. I love it. And it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily the best person for Twitter. I love Twitter because I (laughs) thoroughly enjoy conversation and like getting into the gray area and nuance. I'm all about nuance. I don't think almost anything is black and white. And so, but it's hard in when you only have a limited number of words you can use Yes, and people are so they take things so personally and so intense on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 
that it's really hard and not everyone is entering these conversations in good faith. That's true. It's not, everyone's not always right. It's, it's because even if it's a little debate, which, okay, it's not always a good intent or, or good faith, like you said, behind it. Sometimes they are just coming to be disruptive. So you have to learn how to, yeah. 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 Something I've really spent a lot of time thinking about in the last, I don't know, maybe six months or maybe longer is what do, what I choose to amplify. And so there's certain Mm. people that are agitators in our society and they will say something and they get off on being trending on Twitter, even if it's trending for saying something racist or horrible Mm. or homophobic. And we, you know, someone like me who finds them deplorable will say, Oh, look at that. That's outrageous. Can you believe they said it? And you quote tweet, right? Thinking of like a Tucker Carlson. Look at what Tucker Carlson said. And every Every couple of days, he's trending on Twitter for something yep. that he did. And it's people like me who used to say, oh, my God, can you believe it? And I'm trying to figure out like when I started thinking back. But there was an interview that Prince Harry did recently with okay. Dan Shepard, Dax Shepard on Armchair. <laughs> yes, Dax, I don't yes know. Dax Shepard. But, and, and he said something about like on social media or we've gotten to this point where we'll find something that offends us deeply and is, is horrible. And then we'll share it with someone that we care about. Look at this horrible thing. And why do we do that? And it's not helping our mental health. It's not helping move a conversation forward. It's, it's being part of a cycle of outrage. And I, I view that, um, you know, with Fox news and stuff, there's a lot of cycles of outrage. That's their business model is keeping people in fear and keeping them angry. And I don't want to be that on the left. I don't want to be in fear and I don't want to constantly be outraged and angry. Um, And so I'm going to take myself out of this equation because I was like, I was contributing to the problem. Even if I'm saying, look at how horrible Tucker Carlson is, I'm still sharing what he said. I'm still giving it some life. You know, when you talk about someone, you keep them you keep their name and their ideas coming forward and more people see it that wouldn't have otherwise. So I'm taking myself out of the situation. I'm not going to, even though I feel rage inside, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not going to act on it because I think the goal is to get outrage and I don't want to give him what he wants. And I wish more people started thinking about it this way because we are doing the very thing that Tucker Carlson wants us to do. And we are making him money by doing that. Yeah. You know what? Thank you for saying that because it's, 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 I definitely, I'm thinking back now on times when I have done that too. And even if somebody only has a hundred followers and I retweet that, and then one of my hundred followers can have 10,000 and one of one of them could have 500. And like you said, it perpetuates. There was something with Tucker Carlson. Actually, last week he had on a guy that basically was saying how it's not inequities as why uh, white people make more money than uh, black people. It's IQ. Black people just have a IQ. And I was like, but and he used different wording, but that's what he meant. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me read the article and not the headline. So I'm reading and I'm like, and I almost shared it. And I said, I am not going to get people riled up about this because 
we're not going to, if we were going to do a petition, like you say, if we're going to do a, if we're going to have real change, it'd be something different. But me just doing it is just getting people riled up because you said this to me before we were talking about something. Oh, we were talking about Israel and Palestine. And you said, basically people get so riled up, so angry. And you're like, that's why when we have votes, like, uh, uh, elections, congressmen, everything, like go out there and vote. That's how you use your voice, not just yelling into the ethers. And I, you put it a lot more eloquently than I did, but <laughs> it, it really made sense to me. I was literally standing in my bathroom, looking in my mirror, like at my face when I was talking to you. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. And I'm noticing it with our generation is sometimes confusing speaking on social media with advocacy. And just because you have your a tweet or some an Instagram post that with about free Britney, you're not actually taking action or steps to free Britney from her conservatorship. Right. But yet you think you are being an advocate. (laughs) And (laughs) and so I I don't believe in speaking out just to be seen. Yes. Speaking out. I believe in and, and I'm not saying people shouldn't tweet it. I, I tweeted. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, God damn it. Free this woman. This is right, horrible. Right. <laughs> right. But I don't, I don't call, I'm not going to call myself a free a part of the, a movement where right. I'm an advocate. I'm not taking action on it. And that's probably not the best example, but people just get confused. And, and I think mm-hmm. Israel Palestine is a good example. If you don't tweet in support of Palestine, then you are being part of the problem. And it's like, well, even if you do tweet in support of the liberation of Palestine, which is a very valid purpose and goal and thing to do, are you actually contributing to helping liberate Palestine? Or are you just right. saying it so that people right. can see you say it? Right. And and part of that is performative. It's, it's yeah. trying to show other people where you stand on some sort of ideological divide that you are putting out there rather than taking steps to, you know, what are you doing to support organizations in Gaza? Mm, you know, what are you doing yeah. to, I don't know, support your friends who are Palestinian and talk to them right. about what they think is the best steps as that someone who is not based there, who does mm. not vote there, who does not live there, you know, wow. it, you know, it's just, that's, that's, it, it, that's really good. You saying, what are you doing to support like, Gaza, like through what did you said through foundations, right? Like what, uh, who like, knows? I I I don't know a lot about Gaza at no, all. No, but I mean, I, when yeah. you said if you tweet about it, like you're not really doing anything. But, but what are you actually really doing? So if there's right. foundations, if there's this, yeah, and that it's really interesting that you say that because that's where I am with Black Lives Matter. I would I know they say silence is violence and and silence is complicit. To me. I've hashtagged things that before, but that would be if someone said in front of you something racist or whatever, and you just let it go. A hundred percent. And so that's how I always took it. It wasn't like, if you're not speaking on social media, you're engaging in violence, Mm -hmm. right? White silence is violence. It's if you're seen like in the workplace, someone be treated differently because of the color of their skin, or you witness a microaggression Mm -hmm. and you don't step in in the moment, or you don't step in afterwards and say, you know what, you probably shouldn't touch her hair. And and this is why, or you shouldn't, you know, 
I would appreciate it if you said something this way or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, to try and uh, just not let it go right yes. without any mm-hmm. sort of acknowledgement of what happened. But I think people are, are misunderstanding and, and there's nothing that sometimes irritates me more than like ill-informed advocacy <laughs> and that I, <laughs> you know, and that happened actually on a housewives recently or with a former housewife where in this last week, I believe Lisa Vanderpump randomly tweeted or no, no, had a Instagram post about Yulin the festival in China yes. where they kill and torture dogs and was like, Joe Biden pass HR, whatever the, the bill number was. And I was like, this is such terrible advocacy. I like, can I, can I advise like Lisa Vanderpump? <laughs> like, does she need some support? If she wants to get this like house resolution passed, like she needs to be someone needs to walk her through this process. I know she's British. She's not from here, but there's plenty of people that live here that don't understand the process. And there's so many things that are wrong with it. I don't know if I've ever been more annoyed reading like a Instagram post of a housewife. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I just went, like I can go step by step of everything that's wrong with it. Number one, like (laughs) if the U S Congress passes a resolution condemning the violence in Yulin, that is fantastic, but that is not going to end the violence in Yulin because right. we do not have jurisdiction over what over happens there, there right. right? But we can, but it is important to pass resolutions and to get, you know, I try and pass resolutions all the time to end sexual exploitation of girls globally. Okay. Does that mean that all sexual exploitation of girls is going to end? No, but it, it's showing where Congress stands in it. It okay. can help inform our policies, you know, with USAID and other things like that. Second thing. This bill was voted on and passed in 2018. What? That is two Congresses ago. Okay. If you want a bill to actually pass, it has to happen within the two-year period of that Congress because every two years, Congress changes. There are elections. There are new people elected in the House and in the Senate. And so if a Congress from 2018 voted, that's those people in 2018. Not all of those same people are here in 2021. So you need to reintroduce the resolution. It has to get reintroduced to the House okay. and it has to get voted on potentially in committee and then it has to go to the House floor. Then it also has to be introduced on the Senate side and it has to go through the same process on the Senate side. And then they have to reconcile <laughs> okay. and make sure they actually have the exact same language before it's completely passed by both okay. and goes to the president to uh, either sign right. or veto. Right. Because he has two right, options. Right. Right. So telling him to sign something that isn't in front of his desk <laughs> is like the most obnoxious thing. <laughs> and she's got like millions of people that follow her and she can really do something. something. Right. If right. If she. So and that's what it all goes back to with you saying if it's really not about change. So if she knew the steps and knew what she was doing and her followers were on board and knew them, too. Yes. And she has to know, I mean, she's a smart, smart woman. There is, she, she has to know that just passing a house resolution or a Senate resolution is not going to lead to this festival completely stopping. It's just steps towards trying to end this practice and the step that she can take as a, what I'm assuming is a permanent resident of the United States. I don't know if she's a U.S. citizen or if she, you know, what, whatever it is, but you know, and then that goes to Israel Palestine too. Like, are you calling your elected officials? What do you want them to do? You know, can mm-hmm. they take action? What committees do they stand on? What do they, you know, what questions can they ask? 
you know, those types of things rather than just like screaming into the void that is Twitter or Instagram and then yelling at anyone that doesn't say the perfect thing or align exactly with your beliefs. Yeah. You know, try and figure out what's going to actually change the course. Right. And again, like you said, what are you actually doing to help the situation? There was, and don't like people, you know, I've I've already told you what I believe, but certain things come to me and at reminders, I call them like self, I told you self-regulation, like me and you will talk and I'll say, thank you, Mandy, that I need to self-regulate, like check myself sometimes. And you saying that, what are you actually doing? There is a scripture in the Bible and it was basically back then women didn't get land. You can't get it. So Mm -hmm. it was either the son, the brother, but you don't get it. Well, there was sisters. I think there was five, five to seven of them. I don't really remember, but basically the land should have been theirs because the the man that died had no sons and they were, the town was kind of like behind them, like riled up and they stopped talking about it with them. And they went directly to Moses and said, we want our land. This is why. And they got it. So it, it, it was sort of like a, a parable, if you will, or, or an example of go direct, go the way you know that can solve the problem. If you're standing around your water cooler at work saying, I can't believe they won't pass this land. Now, it's one thing if you're doing something or getting ideas. But if we're just talking about how we can't believe we can't pass this land, we can't get our land. You're wasting your time when you could be talking to the person in the department that could help you get your land. So I just always think about that. Like, yeah, they didn't waste their time getting riled up with the townspeople. Mm-hmm. And if I'm saying that scripture wrong and you guys know it, y'all know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> but you can slide into my DMs. I'm totally fine with that. No, so, yeah. totally. And it's amazing what, and social media is a great tool for yeah. it to voice outrage. But I think we need to be a little bit more careful about how we direct the outrage and what we hope the end goal of it is, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the same goes with housewives, you know, with stuff happening in housewives and we're upset that Luann said something or that Sutton you know, completely shut down the conversation, mm-hmm. sending a DM to Sutton telling her to kill herself. I'm not saying anyone did this. I'm just right, assuming but- because this keeps happening is not helping. Insane. I, I don't believe that's actually leading to more it, racial inclusion in our society. And it <laughs> right. certainly is not helping Crystal be heard and by the doing same, that. Yeah. The same ones that are saying kill yourself are the same ones that will then scream for the other side saying, don't say crazy. Don't say manic. You know, it's it's like it's these same people that are doing opposite sides of it's like, come on. But going back to what you were saying about um, there was something you said. And oh, when we 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 talked about silence is violence and what we thought that was, because I, I would rather someone who wants to align themselves with my community. And I'm sure you feel the same or your community. I would actually rather you say nothing but me see you do something, meaning I'm not looking for you to do anything, but if you do it, I'm like, oh, great. Then to see you say something when it's the easy thing to say, when it's the Kelly Dodd, that's, that's easy. Right. You know, and I'm watching polls go up. I saw a poll one time that said, who is worse? Um, For I'll use Chrissy Teigen and, and Michael Costello. Who is worse, Chrissy Teigen or Michael Costello? And I said, well, wait a minute. We, we've now found out that the stuff that Michael Costello posted about Chrissy Teigen, bullying him and the suicides and the screenshots were fake. We've now mm-hmm. found that out. But then you've, you, do, you have a lot of people coming out on the other side saying Michael Costello has said X, Y, and Z. So let's say that's true. 
let's say we knew for a fact Michael Costello was racist and Chrissy was still awful in what she's done. Why does racism have to be included in polls? Because now I'm watching that now, like when people are saying, oh, I'm team Chrissy. And I'm like, to me, that says, so you're okay with racism. Why is racism in any polls? And why does everyone have to be team? Right. Like I always thought saying you were team something is, is more was of, funny. Uh, it was funny. It was like a yeah. joke. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Team Denise, whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to ride for these people and like go after people in comments. And mm-hmm. you're, I don't know. I just don't understand the stand culture that we have with these celebrities where like they could either do be all right or, or do no right. Right. They're either all right or all wrong. And I, I'm a person that just is very comfortable with shades of gray. I don't think, I don't think anyone is all perfect or all terrible. Oh, oh, I mean, neither. I don't think anybody, very few people fit in those categories. Most people are complex and the housewives yes. are complex. And yeah. I think it's, so important that we acknowledge the complexity. They can yeah. be fantastic in one facet of their life and really need some education in another facet. Yeah. You know, I, I, I told someone for me, I didn't do an episode last week. I normally do two a week only because for me, I needed to take time with Beverly Hills because of what was going on and me being in real life in those positions, me being a crystal and working with nine Suttons. And it was like, oh, wow, why is this so triggering? But like you said, I would never DM her and say, X. if I DM'd her, it's like, can I have a conversation with you? And then also to me, to that point, it's like, I almost feel like for what? But I will say I get, it's, it's very frustrating to me to, it's frustrating, but it's also a very interesting study in people to watch people Again, those allies pick and choose what they want to justify versus what they don't. And also to watch people expect something out of a, like it's almost, in my work culture. It was give comfort to the and I'm saying oppressor, but the microaggressor, if they got upset, if they cried, if they whatever it's like you're supposed to back up and be like, oh, I'm sorry, or you're in trouble because that has happened to me. So oh, it's almost a mind F2 because I'm like, this is still going on. This is 2020. I know it's going on, but then I'm watching it go on. And I'm like, we are still here. People feel like we've made so much movement. And I don't always feel like that. Like I've literally, I'm just looking at Facebook groups and I'm just looking at the comments and I'm like, are they saying like this Asian woman or the, and it's very clear. I'm like, we're still here. And part of me, I said to Amanda and Chelsea the other day, I said, now in my sub, in my, I don't know, subconscious or, or in the recesses of my mind, I know integration is good. I know that's the way to make change. I know that. However, there is a part of me that can say, I wish they had a state segregated. You have your white housewives over there, leave your black ones over there. If they naturally integrated like a Kim Zolciak, but even then her last reunion with them, she said, what other white woman are you going to find to sit here with seven other black women? They wouldn't. So because for me, what people think they're watching is a show is what I have dealt with in life. So I would rather keep them segregated in a way 
and protect the women because it, yeah. it feels like you're throwing, you know, the Ebony's, the crystals almost to the lion's den. Yeah. Although I feel like at least on Beverly Hills, people are, the other women are listening. Yes. Sutton was not, but I do feel like when Garcelle talked to Kyle, she seemed to listen and really mm-hmm. take that in. And I am kind of looking forward to the reunion because uh, did you get to see Kathy and Crystal on Watch What Happens Live? I saw a lot of it. Yes. Yeah. So it sounds like Crystal and Sutton are speaking a lot. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. And I really am excited to see that because I feel like that's the goal, right? That's the goal. It's not to, you know, say Sutton's a horrible racist and is terrible and all of that. Mm -hmm. It's hey, you know what? She was raised a certain way to think that you shouldn't see color. And, you know, that's a misguided approach. And let's let's all walk together towards, you know, a more inclusive mm-hmm. way of looking at things and yeah. explain why that's maybe not the best thing to do and that maybe she should take a step back and actually listen yes. when people talk, mm-hmm. you know, just in general, but especially women who are talking <laughs> about their, you know, their personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And- and if she can then through this experience, learn that and apply that to her daily life, uh, right. not just on camera, but off camera, yeah. then that's one more person that is doing more listening. And isn't yeah. that the goal? Yes. And I think that she will. Someone told me in comments, um, they've since made up. And because I, I told someone, I said, you can't have it both ways. If you're recapping or you're talking, we're speaking sp- specifically to what we see happen. We're not talking about right now. If we're talking about right now, oh yes, we, we saw Sutton's apology. So someone told me they've made up and I said that I've, I'm actually glad about that. And I hope that Sutton takes these lessons. Also during the show, you notice Garcelle was defending her because she hadn't seen, but Garcelle has since said Sutton was very wrong. And, and so I say that to say, I hope that she's also talked to Sutton because I feel like their friendship is real. Very you know? much so. And, yeah. and I wish people would stop using the word. People need to be clear with the words they're using, because when you just throw them out randomly, right or wrong, they don't always hold weight when they apply. So everything isn't racist. Some of it is bigotry. It's stereotyping. It's microaggressing. Now, may they fall under the big umbrella, but to throw out someone is racist all the time. That's not always true. Right. And I mean, I've I've said this for like years on my podcast, but I don't think it's helpful to call a person racist. I think you can label behavior because once you label a person, it almost makes it seem like that's their character. That's who they are and that that can't change. But people's behaviors can change. Mm -hmm. And so if you say that specific action, that behavior that you did is racist or is harmful, but that's not who you are. That's your behavior. Mm-hmm. You're not talking to the core of the person's character. That behavior can change. Yeah. And that's the goal, right? Yes. Don't, isn't, yes. isn't that the goal? Look, I mean, unless we met a real racist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that there is debate on what that really means. And you probably have a much better idea than I do of like what a real <laughs> racist Driving, is, you know? Well, I was going to say not even just down South because there's places up North, but you know when they don't like you and they will let you know we don't like my cousin was married to a white woman he was in west virginia he went to college there that's where he lived he said he went in the store they went in the store he got in his car i don't know if he said he put a seatbelt or did something and when he turned around there was like 
men basically surrounding his car, white men with a gun. Oh my God. Asking her, was she okay? And he had to be like, this is my wife. Oh. Yeah. So he went through that a lot being down there. And then a good friend of mine, she's Italian. In the summer, she tanned. But if you looked at her, you would possibly think she was Hispanic, but you would more probably so think she was white. She was dating a black guy and she, she, her car, it was Acura tinted windows. And I remember she was so upset. And I remember thinking I wanted to tell her next time, be quiet. Cause you could get him shot. He was driving her car and the cop pulls pulls over for the tent, rolls down the window, sees that he's at the driver's side, hand on his gun, looking at ma'am, are you okay? Ma'am, are you okay? Did he steal your car? And she's getting loud with the cop. Like, yes, it's, it's my GD car. Why are you harassing us? And it's like, see, you're going to get out of this. Okay. Just zip it. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's like, I get the outrage, but it's, it's, it's just wild. I don't know. It's just wild. I don't even know where I would, I don't even know where I was going with that. I just, actually, I do know where I was going, but I really can't say it. That's offline. But so <laughs> <laughs> while we're talking housewives, I have to tell you this. So I don't know if you saw this. Erica Jane article came out today. Oh, what article? Um, where did I get this? Where did I get this? Uh, uh, um, page six. Page six. Okay. I'm going to read you just, I just yeah, typed it up real quick. Me. I'm not going to. Okay. Erica Jane's extravagant lifestyle is being called into question as part of her estranged husband's law firm's bankruptcy case and court documents obtained by page six on Friday today, Jane 49 was accused of refusing to turn over her bank records to the bankruptcy trustee who was investigating Tom Girardi's assets as part of Girardi Keese's involuntary chapter seven bankruptcy case. The trustee also accused the expensive singer, they're funny, of using her glam lifestyle to conceal assets in the case. At every turn, Erica has used the glam to continue to aid and abet these sham transactions that have been occurring with respect to large transfers of assets from Girardi Keys to Erica. The documents filed by attorney Ronald L. Ronald N. Richards alleged. That's the attorney that's been on Twitter. Moreover, the trustee has received zero cooperation from Erica, which is constant with someone hiding assets. While the documents claim that the trustee's special litigation counsel has already confirmed that Girardi Keys has admitted in numerous filed tax documents that Erica's related companies have received over 20 million, according to the tax documents spanning multiple years. Jane herself has copped to spending 40,000 a month to maintain her pop star life. Erica has refused to provide access to her management company, her CPA, which also houses her management company, any books and records of EJ Global or any of her affiliated companies, the documents alleged. As each day goes by, Erica has been publicly dissipating community assets by selling her clothes on public websites, flaunting large jewels on social media and on television, and has done nothing to assist in return structured firm payments being made to her instead of the firm by California lottery. Notwithstanding, she was contacted through counsel over 12 days ago. The trustee then also accused her of creating a new company after she filed for divorce, November, 2020. And before Girardi 82 was accused of embezzling funds meant for Lion air flight 610 victims, the trustee reported to the court that they would investigate this alleged successor company. So basically they're saying now she created a company to 
I guess, move those assets. As a result, the trustee is requesting for Jane's account to produce key financial documents, including statements, receipts, pay stubs, and all communications between themselves and her divorce attorney, Larry Ginsburg. A rep for Jane did not immediately get back to us. Messy, messy, messy. That is messy. I was like, oh my God. What did you think? Did you watch this Mm -hmm. week? What did you think? I mean... I think multiple things can be true. I think she can be in a marriage where she was not treated very well. Mm -hmm. And I also can think that's not the sole reason that she filed for divorce. Um, And it's convenient to bring up these stories of her mistreatment in the marriage, which, you know, my heart goes out to her. Mm -hmm. But as my guest this week on my podcast said, a lot of people are trapped in shitty marriage. (laughs) 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 And so, you know, I have a little less sympathy for that than yeah, I would yeah. say uh, a burn victim who's had to go through 30 surgeries <sighs> and has not received a payout, um, you know, in a lawsuit. So, you know, I feel bad that he uh, mistreated her and said mean things to her. But if they were really bad and she really didn't like them, she could have left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to. I'm not married. I know what you and mean. I've not ever been married mm-hmm. and I don't want to judge like how relationships are and make cast too much judgment on, on people. But, you know, if you stay in a relationship and someone treats you a certain way, you're almost co-signing that behavior. And I, I know that people can get trapped in abusive relationships and things like that. And maybe this was that, and maybe it felt hard to get out. I don't know, but you know, it, it is quite convenient for her to say, oh, but he cheated on me. And then it's yeah. from like 14 years ago. Oh, but he made this comment about, yeah. you know, oh, you know, if you think you can afford her, you can have her. Yeah. But he didn't leave then. And I know that it sounds like you could use that argument for, oh, if he hit you and you didn't leave then, you were okay with it. I I think you it's understand a that. different. Yeah. I, th- I think it's different. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like she's just conveniently talking about the shitty elements of her marriage now that, you know, the money is gone because had the money still been there, I think she would have stayed. Yeah. Yeah. And he would treat her like shit or whatever it was. She would have held his hand until he died. Right. Exactly what she said. Yeah. Exactly what she said. Also, (laughs) there's elements of her story that Ryan Bailey has picked apart, which are really interesting that since, you know, we don't live in LA, we probably wouldn't pick up on, but he said there's no way she drove him to work the day that she left um, and filed for divorce. Like where they live in Pasadena is like at least 45 minutes away from where Girardi Keyes' law firm is okay. and like without traffic. He has a, a driver. Like these people have drivers. Like why would she drive right. him and bring his, she, he said he just felt like that was, uh, she like too much detail and it didn't yes. make sense. Yeah, and, and he said he fe- it felt like a lie, and I'm like, oh wow, I would have never thought that. But you know, if it was in DC and they said, oh, I drove out, the, you know, and and you yes. would know, you know, like if you know Doug Emhoff said that he dropped off, uh, you <laughs> know, Kamala, Kamala Harris, you know, <laughs> and it's like, no, you don't get to drive her. That's not how this works, right? <laughs> like Secret Service drives her, you know. So, but like I would know that not everyone knows that, you know. Right, so because right. I live That's here and true. I have to, you know, I I can't cross the street because Kamala's you know, <laughs> motorcade is coming through, <laughs> which I mean, is, is a dream. I love it. It's a lot better than when I couldn't cross the street because it pants. Wow. Wait a minute. So they come right <laughs> by your house. Sometimes. Yeah. 
Cause they live, uh, I mean, or just in general, when you're somewhere like where the vice president's house is, is in a certain area of DC and they okay. commute from that house where they live and they sleep at night to the white house where they okay, go and work. So that would make sense. And, okay. and it does cause, you know, and, and it's like, a well-oiled machine at this point. Like mm-hmm. you see, you know, the motorcycle cops and motorcycles, you know, they're, it's coming, you know, within a couple of minutes, it'll be over and it's no big deal. And everyone goes about their day. Okay. But, but yeah, motorcades are very common in DC. But like you said that you, you would definitely know that because you live there. So I, I think that Ryan does make sense. I, I feel like people, when they lie, sometimes they put too much detail in and you're like, Hmm, versus taking a part of, to me, the lies that I feel like people tend to believe are when you take a part of the truth. And you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and I feel um, like most of what she's saying has major elements of truth. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe she's flat out lying. Um, right. But I also don't believe like that that's the only reason that she's leaving. And she's not even saying that's the only reason that she's leaving either. Yep. So I don't know. I also don't necessarily believe that she knew all of his yeah. dealings. There's yeah. no way. And the reason mm-hmm. that I believe that is because of how she flaunted her wealth on TV. And I think she's a smart woman. And I yeah. don't think she would have flaunted all of that if yeah. she thought it was done with stolen money. At the same time, it was a very not smart for her to take money to AJ Global, her company, directly from accounts at Girardi Keys. There was no pass through. Right. It wasn't money that went to Tom's account or their joint account, like he earned that money and it went to their account. And then he was like, okay, from my personal account, I'm going to fund my wife's business. It came from his business. And that law firm that he ran has no business giving money or giving loans to EJ Global, you know, 40 eight-year-old pop star. (laughs) I mean, like that, there's no reason that that would happen. <laughs> that you know, like what right. relationship ha- that makes no sense. And as a smart woman, I think it's dumb that yeah. she agreed to take money for these companies. But I think she was also getting money advice from a guy who was really shady with money. And and yes. maybe that's how she learned. And maybe she thought that this is what rich people do. What well, right? And well, it's it's. I'm wondering if Tom was a smart man, why he would set it up that way. Because he didn't want to touch his account. I don't think he was that smart. Okay. You think um, it was, oh, he was good at his cases. Well, he wasn't always winning them. I mean, I know he won the Aaron Brockovich, but. I think he was smart, but I also think he's incredibly impulsive and would make decisions that were not always in his best interest due to his impulsion. And case in point, he'd been married twice, right? And he was going through his second divorce when he met Erica. And they were at a country club and he was like, we're going to get married right here and now. You judge, you marry us, you person at the bar, you be the witness, we're going to get married, no prenup. That is an impulsive decision yeah, made by a man that is not well thought out. Why wouldn't he make sure that there was an ironclad prenup knowing that his other marriages had ended in divorce and that right. it would have been a lot easier to have documents in place, right? And he's for a that. Lawyer. And he's a lawyer. He should know. But I think he did a lot of impulsive things. Okay. I think he also was incredibly charismatic. So he could make you really believe what yeah. he was saying. And I'm that's what, <laughs> what these victims really believed that he was 
doing the right thing by them, that he they were going to get their money, that this was how it worked, because mm-hmm. how would they know any different? Had they ever right. gone through a case like this? I wouldn't know if there right. was a payment plan like and you tell me this is how the payment plan is going to work. OK, guess you won the case. Guess, you know, you're the lawyer. You're the one that's won all this stuff right. and all these cases. Mm-hmm. And so he but. Yeah, so okay, I don't know. That makes sense because you know what? I assumed because he was a lawyer and he won some cases that he must be smart, but you can be that and still two things can be true at two the same time. True at the same time. And oh and I, there's he just seems so impulsive with yes. certain things. And I think she is not particularly impulsive, but when she does do something impulsive, it ends up being a big mistake. Like okay. when she um, put on Instagram the DMs or whatever it was, the text yes. messages between him and that judge trying to show that prove that there was an affair and that he had paid for this judge's plastic surgery. But we all were able to tell very quickly that this was from a flip phone, that the last <laughs> time that it was July 5th on a Wednesday was, you know, in 2007 or whatever it was, yes. yeah, you know, and that wasn't smart, but she was, must've been so angry and so frustrated that she wanted to share as much evidence as she could, that he's not this perfect guy and that I left him for a reason. Yeah. But in doing so, it was an impulsive decision that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Long-term. It didn't make and, her look good either. And we all do it too. You and yeah. I totally, yes. I do. I do things that are impulsive where I want to <sighs> respond immediately or do something quickly. And it's usually smarter to, to take a little bit of time and to wait. It almost seems impossible. It almost seems like there is a force working, starting at your toes, mm-hmm. rushing through your body, <laughs> whether you say something or you you do something. Yeah. I'm, I'm frankly tired of, and maybe this is her voice. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but but at I, what human cost? I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. You have I to get nasal. You have to, I'm taught Mandy watching her sit in that blazer with that, that sloop. ugly blazer, like ugly. at what human cost? Not for that blazer, girl. <laughs> Maybe for your your Lamborghini, but not right, for that but not for blazer. the blazer, right? <laughs> I was so annoyed because I felt like she thinks she's delivering a monologue. Like that's what I felt from her confessionals. You know, I think she has been. I think every line yeah. that she's given us has been well thought out. Up until this point, I think she's very calculated and I think she's making some missteps and, you know, and at this point, the other women have no reason to believe that she is lying, right? They don't know these stories, these big in-depth looks into Girardi Keese and where the money came from did not start coming out in detail until December. Right. Because before it was just he, him involved in lawsuits, but and she was saying, I can't really speak about it, but client misunderstanding when she was on watch what happens live. So that was, yeah. So th- even if, and like um, someone said, everybody gets sued, like in their mind, rich people get sued. Mauricio and they got do. sued. They yeah. all get sued. Yeah. And that's um, true. And, and if it's her husband's business, why should she speak onto her husband's business? Right. You know, I, I wouldn't if it was my, no, my husband, I, I wouldn't. wouldn't either. Yeah, because I don't know. First of all, I don't know if I'm going to incriminate him or something. Totally. What I don't understand is so she's being told probably by her lawyers, don't talk. Right. OK. But then she does talk via social media. So she's mm-hmm. not doing like 
Bravo appearances or interviews, but when she posts a caricature of herself and it says that she is a scapegoat, that is her talking. That is her sharing her view on it. Yes. And if I were her, you should just say nothing. nothing. You don't you don't need to show sympathy to the victims. You don't have to speak on this at all, right? Not at this moment. Right. If you're under a lawsuit, it is your right to remain silent, even though yes. it's not a criminal situation and she's not. Right you know, indicted or anything like that, but she, she can keep quiet. But the thing is she is choosing to speak by what she posts. Yes. And, and that is where I think she loses so many people. Cause it's like, not only are you not showing any sympathy for people who've been victims of your husband, but you are making it seem like you are the one that deserves the most sympathy. Yes. And I don't and and while you may have been bamboozled by Tom and you didn't know that this was how it was going to go and you thought that all the money was kosher fine but now you know it's not. Yeah, yes. And like you said, you can choose to remain to remain silent but say nothing. Because if you're not speaking, we see you not speaking for the victims. And listen, I get it. If you're in that and, and, and you can't, you don't know what to say, then say nothing. But we also see you being very snarky, like the things that she's posting on Twitter or whoever's running her social media. Did you see him the other day? I was like, wow, she was like with the dog and dogs going after. And oh, you people believe this stuff. It was, yeah. oh, I'm going to see if I can find it. It. I, I was at that point, man, I was shocked. I'm like, she and we're also not talking about just like page six articles, like what you read. You can read the actual yes. legal documents that allege where the money came from, where yep. it went to. That is where people are starting to draw some opinions. These are legal documents. Yes. Not lying. That, and, yep. and that's very different from a salacious, you know, article in page six or radar online or whatever have you. Right. And and I, I'm noticing it's funny because the housewives and what Lisa Vanderpump would always say radar online, radar online. And when I started doing my wake up with Wego, I would look at radar online and they would literally have a link to the documents. And that I was like, OK, because you don't really want to you could say alleged. But if I'm reading a document and like you said, that's what people are basing their opinion on. But she posted a gift. What was the gift? It was her, it was of herself. And it says, go be offended. You might not be able to see it, but it's her sitting like, and it says, go be offended at your own life. And then she said, uh, somebody said this disgusting, disappointing, incredibly insensitive. But then where is the other ones? Cause she, I mean, she literally was going, when I saw her post herself, I was like, wow. Okay. I was trying to see if the other one, was there. But yeah, that was the last one. Go be offended at your own life. And it's like, we're allowed to be offended at your life, Erica, you put your life on TV and we're allowed to have opinions about it. Yes. Oh, here it is. Okay. Wait, it says good night, Twitter, please be in full glam when pumping gas. Apparently it's a big deal. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is this a situation where she sent the paparazzi after herself a la Brandon Bronwyn Windenburg? Windenburg. Yes. Possibly. I mean, I mean why would anyone like care that she was paparazzi? Don't have, paparazzi have been in this game long enough, even the new ones, to know where to be seen. And I read this, and I never unthought it, unlearned it. No, Julia Roberts. 
um what's the other one I'm, julia roberts oh my god uh she's married to tim avery what is her name um meryl streep meryl streep's not married to tim avery but i'm thinking of somebody else but they're photographed when they want to be because they know where to go so these paparazzi are just hanging out trying to get pictures yeah, it's of not housewives anymore and ken caves aren't as big a deal as like a Britney Spears or a Jennifer Aniston or Brad Pitt or Paris Hilton, even, you know, back then, like, yeah, they're not looking for you. It's a different situation. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's so, and then I got to tell you, this is so funny. She said there was the other one. Um, Did she get it? Okay. Maybe she, cause she's been on a spree. Dirty deleted a lot of those. (laughs) Yes. Oh, ready? Everyone is so pressed, but I did find out the name of the one of the snakes feeding bad info. No surprise, really. This person always struck me as weak. So, <laughs> and this is like where, I mean, I think Erica might be weak. I don't necessarily think she's, I don't think it necessarily, you have to be a strong person to go through what she's gone through. I mean, yeah, she's strong for, um, you know, her situation with growing up and Mm -hmm. all of that. But like she, I think a strong person shares their emotions and their feelings Mm -hmm. and is able to communicate and connect with others. And she doesn't share anything, at least with us as viewers. And I feel like she's holding things in and she only wants to show a certain part of herself. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that makes her strong. I think that makes her afraid of what people are going to yep. think of when they view the real her. Cause there's yeah. no way that this whole facade is the only aspect of her. There is more right. to her and she won't let us see it. And I don't think that makes her strong. And I don't think her being mean to people and making them afraid of her and afraid yes. of yelling at her is something that makes her strong. I think it's weak because she's too afraid to answer to someone like Sutton mm-hmm. that she feels the need to use the same tactics as her husband or yes. husband that Tom yes. did to her. She shuts down anyone that yep. dare question anything that she does. And I don't believe that makes her strong. I believe that makes her weak. You are 100% right. And because to me, it's one thing to say we can compartmentalize and something happened and you're like, right now, I cannot. I need to put that up here for a minute. I'm going to go back to it. But you're not afraid to tap into your feelings. Even you and I talked the other day. You like to solve things right away. Let's talk. You understand some other people don't. But as long as they eventually get there to tap into that feeling. But she's clearly afraid of what might happen if she allows herself to do it. Yep. That's it. When did and then everyone- she'll say someone like Sutton is weak. Yes. She's someone who would view Sutton as weak because Sutton has the audacity to actually cry and show her emotions and try and talk about things, even if they're not eloquent. Like, I yes. think the reason Sutton was so upset about her losing that house wasn't the house itself. It was what it represented. It was her mm-hmm. marriage that I'm sure she thought was going to last a lot longer yeah. that, you know, I, mm-hmm. it was uh, the family unit. I'm sure there's a lot more that she either said or didn't say that what she really meant. And it, yeah. you know, and, and to say that she's weak for having a breakdown and for whatever you can say that, but I think it's a weak person that calls out other people like that when they're in a, when they're distressed. Yes. And I think Erica, 
I don't know if, if you have to make people be afraid of you in order to control stuff that, that I don't think that means you're strong. And, and I don't believe, uh, see Erica as some truth teller either. We witnessed her talk about Tom recently. Right. And that was all a lie, you know, Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm in love. We spent all this time together. Didn't she say that in the beginning of, yeah, of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I will never forget the first time there are certain people, even though we don't know them, it's just like, Hmm. The first time she walked on the screen, is that our baby guys? That's, we're doing, that's I'm saying our baby, who have I become <laughs> guys? It's Mandy's cute little doggy Stassi. She's so sweet. She just got dropped off. I heard, I heard her little tags. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she runs into the room. Aww. She goes to a, 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 a doggy daycare. That's at like a neighbor's. Um, it's like a small business. The guy runs it. And I bring her there in the, in the morning and go to work. And then in the afternoon, a guy, it's like half a block away, walks her over. I know where it is. I saw it when I came to. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. guys, We're real friends. (laughs) (laughs) And Taria likes Stassi and Taria is not a dog person. (sighs) Y'all she got me. I don't even know. How? She looked in your eyes. She did. <laughs> yes, actually, she did. And she started to look human. And I got afraid for a minute. I was like, <laughs> I think. There is some human element. Like, she does yes. convey human emotion, she, which is yes. super creepy. It is creepy. She looked in my eyes as almost as if she was, like, an ancestor. Like, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Let me teach you, yes. Come, my child. And then when she, Mandy was, uh, Mandy was like, Tariya, you don't have to touch her, which I appreciate. Because when people are like, let them smell you, let them. And then you, like, tense up. But, um. I still have to get used to like hearing the collar and instinctively your body is always running. Yeah. Right. But then she laid on my lap. I know. I said, you sat down. I said, just so you know, she's probably going to try and jump up on the couch and lay on your lap. And if you don't want that, let me know. But that's like, she, she (laughs) feels very comfortable in the furniture here and she feels very comfortable with guests that she does not know. I stared like straight ahead. Remember, I was like, she yes. said, like, and she came <laughs> quietly. She didn't, yes, she you know, did. she, she, she no. could tell you were a little apprehensive. Mandy, you said, guys, this is so funny witnessing this. So I didn't realize my body language was tense and I'm waiting for her to jump. Like I'm preparing. I'm like, you're going to do this. She's not going to hurt you. And she literally was like a statue. And Mandy goes, she's tense. Cause she can feel you. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and I just kind of like dropped like, my body. You calmed and, down. And then she jumped. She, jumped. she didn't, when you were tense, she wasn't going to go near you. Yeah. But it was so funny. Almost like, mom, she's looking at you like, mom. She's like, <laughs> um, am I, can I, can I go up to this person? Was <laughs> that like, was the most real inner. I mean, I've seen dogs, of course, but that, that was like a real interaction. Like, oh, body language. Okay. And she looked at me and I like nodded at her and then she, I was like, yeah, you can come up now. <laughs> she is so cute. Oh my. She's so sweet. She's nothing me. like Angel, Leah's McSweeney's dog. I would never let her. Can we you know, talk about that a for table. a second? Yeah, we Andy, can talk about you that. Know I was, I, is schwitzing a Jewish word? <laughs> schwitzing is, yeah, it's Yiddish. It means uh, like sweating. sweating. Mm-hmm. I, every, every part of my body was sweating. When I saw that and Noor, I tweeted something and Noor goes, I know how you feel about animals and I know how you feel right now. (laughs) I mean, the audacity to bring your dog to someone's place and then not 
I'll bring my dog over to my friend's houses. I try and be very yes. careful and thoughtful of how she behaves while she's there. I say, just so you know, when my dog walks in, she's going to do a perimeter check. And if you have any mice, she will find them. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to take about 20 minutes doing this. So just like leave her alone for 20 minutes while she goes to every crevice and sniffs out to find mice because that is just what she instinctively does. That is what her wow. breed does. And I didn't realize it, but it ended up being quite useful uh, when there was a little bit of a mice problem in my apartment complex. <laughs> I literally like was like, okay, who, who wants help finding where they're coming right, from? Because right. she will find it. <laughs> here, we, here we come. Yeah, that was the fact that she didn't even, she didn't even make a half-hearted attempt. You know, when somebody brings a child and they let them run wild, but they'll make a half-hearted like, hey, Stop. She didn't move. And I loved when a Luann said it's a little bit, got a little bit of her owner and, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Like, she's unruly. The yes. dog was unruly, but it's like how, who lets the dog jump up on, like, I let my dog go on furniture. I do not let her go on the coffee table I let right. her go on the couch. And that's at my place. It's not, you know, it's like, is it okay if my dog jumps up on the couch? She doesn't mm -hmm. shed. She'll just chill here. I promise you. She yeah. Like do anything. Um, but the coffee table and the food. And then I'm always like, who are these people that let their dogs eat human food? Because my dog has um, inflammatory <laughs> bowel disease. <laughs> and if she does not eat her exact <laughs> diet, we got problems. So I don't let her like, she's not going to get a chip. She's not going to get a nacho. She's not going to get, get a get pepperoni it. cracker. Uh-uh. Uh -uh, none of that. Uh-uh. And it's, it's oh not a treat God. and it's not funny. And, and why would you let your dog eat something with their mouth and then have a human like, it, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like eat the same thing. Like, come on. Like it's. Yeah. I, you know what, you know who my favorite was in that scene? Leah's friend. I mean, uh, yes. Ebony's friend. <laughs> Ebony's friend was just like, who are these fucking white people? That would have been neat because yeah. me coming to your house and being used to your dog is one thing. Mm-hmm somebody else's dog you know I would immediately because I don't know that dog even if they're little so Amanda and Chelsea have already said I gotta know their dogs I'm like your dogs look like I could ride them like a horse like <laughs> but they're big dogs but not really but yeah super sweet actually oh yeah, dogs yeah can be way more problematic than yeah. big dogs and and I also know that they're owners so they're not yeah teaching them things you know what I mean but so if I even if I got to know all of your dogs and we're all in the same room bringing in another dog that could trigger the dogs in the room. Cause you saw mm -hmm. angel. I mean, angel was acting like a devil, right? <laughs> right. And then Ebony's dogs that are acting bad and Ebony's yes. like, what? She's never jumped on this. She's never jumped on the coffee table before. Like kids. Mm -hmm. When they see one, when they see one doing it. They, yeah. they always are trying to push buttons and see what yeah. they can get away with. I, I, I was like, what is going on now? It's funny because I heard you guys say, uh, Again, and I keep referring to the podcast because I listened to it twice. I loved it. Guys, if you haven't, go check out Is This Real Life with Artie and Noor from The Reality Is. And you um, didn't like watching the election party. M me, I was okay because I knew we were going to win. So I was like, oh, it just brought back. But I, but I know how that you feel. That anxiety yeah. was so yeah. bad. That's actually the last wow. time I had a panic attack full on was the night of the election. I oh, had a full see, on home. Or, or I was at home. I was at home. I wouldn't go anywhere. I mean, it was with COVID and everything, but oh, like, yeah, that's right. I started having the, like reliving the trauma of like the last time. And 
I started having this feeling that I hadn't felt in so long, which is the feeling when my mom was sick and she was dying and we were in the ICU and it was like, we were just waiting. We were just waiting for her to die. Okay. Uh, Either that, or she was going to keep living on these machines and we were going to have to make a decision like these family is with, you know, her her grandmother. Okay. And so that was such a stressful experience that was so physical where I felt so physically okay. ill during that time because of the stress of it all and, mm-hmm. and seeing my mother, that that's what it felt like waiting to get the results of the election wow. and think not going entirely yes. the way of Biden. Like it was like a little bit, it was like, oh, is her oxygen level going to go up or is it going to drop down again? Is it okay. going to do this? Is it like, are there little things that are, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. And, and it just felt like this horrible waiting And that, that, and I started, and it took me a while to piece together why I felt so, but I I called my dad and he's not that helpful because we have some differing political Mm -hmm. views, but he was trying to be helpful. (laughs) He was like, Mandy Biden. Are you talking about my BFF? (laughs) My dad was like, Biden's going to win. And I was like, he said that about Hillary. You lied. (laughs) You went to bed at 930 on election night. (laughs) And you thought she won when you woke up. You asshole. No. Did he? Oh, Yeah. My dad thought Hillary was president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you just telling me this? Oh, he only found out when he went to the gym the next morning, got what? off the treadmill and looked up. And then he stopped and he texted me and said, Mandy, I just saw, please don't move to Canada. It'll be okay. Because <laughs> I told him I was going to leave. Mandy, that. Oh my God. That my dad is- has, my dad has no faith in his party. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he said it, went to bed and did not know. He's like the he opposite of like the Trump people that are like the election was stolen. He was like, Oh no, there's no way that guy won. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was it you? Where did I see this? Listeners, you may have seen it too. I may have heard it on a podcast. I don't remember. But somebody said, I don't know if it was their grandma or their mom, they wanted to vote. It might have been Zach from Bravo OMG. I think voted for uh, Trump said, or when it was um, President Obama and Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. Well, I knew he was going to lose and I felt bad. Like she didn't want him though, but so she oh, did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or John McCain. <laughs> yeah, John McCain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so funny. I was like, oh my God. Older people, I can see that. Yeah, it was. Um, my mom was so funny during that election because she was like really for Hillary and then Obama won and she was like, not sure about him. And okay. then she finally called me and was like, I realized why I didn't like him. <laughs> and she goes, he's younger than me. And I've never voted for anyone younger than me. And how the hell could someone younger than me be like, <laughs> like, you know, qualified to run this damn country. But I guess now that I'm getting older, everyone's going to end up being younger and I have to get right. used to it. And so then she got like a Jewish mama for Obama. Um, tote that bag. is cute. Yeah. Jewish no, mama it's, for Obama. Yeah. Aww. And she like, you know, ended up like loving him, loving that, him. That's funny. It Jewish took her like mama. a week or two. And I was like, what is your deal with him? And then she was like, he's too young. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's just a kid. Right. Like, that's, we- that's how she felt. She, she, we were literally starting this podcast talking about sometimes we feel like 
we shouldn't be having kids and having right. families. And now this man younger than me is yes. running the United States. I was like, States. mom, everything, like you agree with everything he's saying. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't vote for him. And so then on election night, she called me and she was so excited, right? And I went down oh. to the White House because I lived walking <gasps> yeah, distance did, yeah. to the White House. And it was like, we brought pots and pans and we're singing, no, 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 hey, hey, goodbye to Bush, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Remember him? Remember when we couldn't stand him? And now we long for the days of a Republican Ooh, like him. Geez. So that, and she goes, oh, I just needed to call and be excited with someone. Dad already went to bed. <laughs> She's like, we just won't, we just won't talk for a day and I'll let him go through his feelings. Oh yeah. He's got to go through his feelings. (laughs) Corey woke me up. I tried to stay up and I had fallen asleep and he, I can literally picture his face and he came upstairs and he's like, we have a black president. (laughs) We have a like, it was a little bit lower than that. So more like we have a black, he was excited. We have a black president, but wasn't like I would have been, I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> who, who sang that song? There was like a rap song that was like, my president is black. Oh, it's so fun. It was. And then they had like a remix version. I've got like, I got to find it. I've got to. I love it. that song. <laughs> I've got, I remember. So this is going to sound great, but I'm going to tell you because I trust you and all my listeners clearly. But where I worked. OK, you do you know about you live in D.C., but, you know, there's certain parts of Maryland that Maryland that I probably wouldn't necessarily want to go to i've been there during the day like way way down like a maybe I'm st mary's as, county i'm not as familiar with maryland as i am with okay DC. so there's certain parts and even the people at work told me oh you probably wouldn't want to go there that's nice but not nice but okay thank you for the warning well my hr her 17 year old son had died and at the time we were really close so we all went and it was so far it so mind you, I'm traveling with my friends who work there who are white. Everyone that's going is white, except for maybe one or two. And the further we got, I said, and I, I said it to my friend. I was like, should I be here? If I see one cross, if I see, I'm out of here. Because it like reminded me of the movies, like racial movies where it was. And, oh, like and, racist areas of yes, Maryland? Yes. Okay, sorry, I was, I was like, not following you. I was oh, like, why yeah, yeah, would you go areas. to yeah, Maryland? Yes, you live in Maryland? Yes. Yes. Okay. The further south we got, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm I not here? familiar with Southern Maryland at all. Okay, so that's where it was. So I'm saying this with the Obama. So if you made this joke, what I was going to tell you, I would laugh. But me going all the way down there, co-workers also live there. So I know who they voted for when it was President Obama, right? So we get to uh, work the next day or the day, I forget when it was, I don't know if it was the day after, but the next time we went to work and we're standing in the kitchen. Now I, who have traditionally been silent on certain things, could not wait to get to work. So I remember everyone standing in the kitchen and like some of the guys were just like staring at the TV. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. I can tell my son that he can be president. I'm so excited because now (laughs) I'm like, I'm blackity black, black, black. I mean, (laughs) right. So then a few days later, they're like, yeah, there's going to be rims on the White House. Uh Uh-uh, you don't get to say that. Yeah. Like somebody like you or you know what I mean? But just like, no, you don't you don't get to say that. Then there were literally people saying he hasn't even done anything. Well, he hasn't been sworn into office. It's just November. Like yeah. they were literally like so upset. But it felt so good for that moment to be like, oh, I can tell my son he can be president. 
Oh, it's no, so, I mean, I I miss them. That was such a fun energy that him and Michelle brought to, yes. and such a great family energy too. Like her yes. mom came with, I thought yes. that was really nice, you know? Yes. And, and he is one of the greatest orators of yes. our time. I feel like it was like a Martin Luther King type orator. There's nothing, I am a lover of words and voices. And I've said this since I've started ever since I was a kid. So my nickname growing up by my grandmother was either Teasy because I loved Wheezy from the Jeffersons. I loved her voice. So I would watch the reruns people, not the original. (laughs) She would call me Teasy or Lady T. They were very interchangeable. So there's something about voices. So the first time I heard him speak, when a voice can command your attention and make you want to stand up taller and like, you know, okay. I, I just, there's something about him and Michelle, like you said, they brought this warmth and just so tangible. You almost felt like you could touch them. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh man, you know, I met them <sighs> once. I told you, right? No. I told you this. Yeah. 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 I, um, I so know Prince I, Harry. You know, I, yeah, that was, <laughs> this is before I met Prince <laughs> Harry. Um, no, I had a very, I have a very good friend who worked at the Obama White House. Um, and, and, yeah. And so we used to go f- for, like to do things like where she would get us in and stuff okay. like, oh, I have to staff. He's like coming on Marine One and they're landing and I have to staff the reporters. And so um, it's Labor Day. Do you guys want to come with me here? You know, I need your social security number, all that stuff. So we would go and we'd wave at him and stuff like that. But um, the day of the Hanukkah party in 2012, I get a text saying, I got you added to the list but there's no plus one. I can't go. It's a very limited number of people show up at this time. Here's your info. Um, come, just come. Um, so it's like, I get to go like by myself. Right. I don't know anyone to the Hanukkah party at the white house. And so I was like, well, I guess I gotta go. Like, you know, this is insane. Okay. I'll show up. And the only people there are either Jewish members of Congress, Jewish Supreme court justices, and people who are very engaged in the Jewish community who work for or Jewish organizations that do social justice okay. work and, and stuff like that. So I actually end up seeing my rabbi from Minnesota. What? Because he was on the board of Mazon, which is the Jewish response to hunger. And okay. it's anti-hunger. They work on hunger issues in the U.S. Okay. Um, and so he was like. Ah, I just saw your mother, you know, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my God, you're the only person I know here. And I, it was so crazy. So I can't believe I didn't tell you this. You did not because what? you see my face. Yes. So yeah. I was there and, um, you know, when you're at a party and you like, you can either drink or you can eat, you kind of can't do both because yes. you don't have enough hands and it's yes. like super awkward. And it's not like you can like leave your plate on a table there because you're <laughs> right. like in the White House. You're like in all the rooms that when you do a tour, they don't let you go in. Okay. You just get to look. But I could like sit in those rooms. Wow. You know, it was like so crazy. So um, I ate a little, but I mainly just drank and I had mm-hmm. three vodka sodas and I was a little tipsy. <laughs> I... not too proud of this and they were doing a receiving line where and I really wanted to meet Michelle I was like okay Barack Obama he gets out you can see him he Michelle she's someone that you don't get to see very often she's very focused on raising her two kids and all of that so I'm going to make a beeline and try and see if I can meet her um 
thinker or whatever I'm going to do. So I, I get kind of in this sort of like receiving line and then it's, I'm the next person that she's going to meet in the secret service come and they tell her that it's like nine o'clock. It's time for the kids to go to bed. So she's going to go take them to bed. And so they said one more. And so it was me. I was the one more. And someone stepped in front of me and cut my place in line handed me their camera, their phone, and said, can you take a picture of me? No, they lady? did not. They did. And I bit my tongue and I took the photo and I resigned myself to, well, hopefully, you know, we just won re-election. So hopefully I can come at one point <laughs> in the next four years or whatever. And she saw that I did that. She paid attention and she grabbed my hand and she said, that was really kind of you. Here, let's get a photo. <gasps> And I was like, oh, my God, she noticed that the person, you know, that says that a I, lot and that I bit my tongue. So yeah. I'm drunk. And uh, <laughs> the, the first lady who was like one of the most like stunningly beautiful people I've ever and tall, like, yes. you know, it's, it's well, a little, she like, very tall. She's very tall. And I, I just like didn't know exactly what to say. And what I wanted to do was thank her uh, for all the work that she's been doing on public health right? With like eating and nutrition and all that. I work in public. I want to tell her that. But instead, <laughs> I ended up saying, thank you for all the work you're doing with the fat kids. No, you did it. No. I, Taria, oh, I, said, I said fat kids. Mandy. And then I immediately realized I said fat kids and then tried to backtrack and was like, I mean, childhood obesity. I mean, let's move the, you know, the campaign that you're doing. And I, I was just so, un I can't believe I said it. She was drink taking a glass of water. She spit out <laughs> <laughs> what she was drinking. This poor woman. Right. And could not stop laughing. We have a, in the picture of us together, she is laughing. And then I was like, I am so sorry. And she looked at me and she goes, don't worry about it. You made my night. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Mandy. And then right at that moment, Barack Obama comes over and shakes my hand. And I mean, I think I, I'm like, this is the most embarrassing thing. Like I told my mother I was coming to this and I now I embarrassed myself in front of the first lady. This is like my only chance to meet her in my life. And I tell her, thank you for all the work you're doing with the fat kids. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I just couldn't get it out. And so then I see him and he shakes my hand and he looked in my eyes. And I'm telling you, I've never had this experience. And people say this about Bill Clinton, the okay. charisma of this man is so powerful that you get sucked in his eyes and you feel like he can see your soul. Wow. I've never experienced this with anyone in my entire life. I was like, this man has like a, the charisma. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like, you're wow. drawn to him. And oh. so I told him the biggest compliment I could think of, which is what my mom used to tell me as a little girl, which is thank you for being you. <laughs> And I meant it. I, I meant it with my that, whole soul. I, I meant love it. That thank you for being you. And that he, means a lot. And he smiles and he said, oh, thank you for being you. Like, you know, and, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to exit stage left. I've thoroughly embarrassed myself. <laughs> and so the next day, my, you know, friend who had worked at the White House wanted to know how it went. And I like wouldn't tell her for like multiple days. And I finally told her and I was like, I really embarrassed myself. And she's like, oh, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. And then I told her what I said. And she goes, oh, my God, she's never going to forget that. 
I bet they were talking true. about that at night. Like yes, <laughs> I bet they I'm, went to bed and be like, you're never going to believe what this girl told me. But, but you, but she said you, but the fact that she laughed, put out her water and said, you made her night again. That is. She, well, I'm sure everyone's so stuffy and like says yes, all the right things. And then yes. I like totally fucked up and just Thank like, you couldn't for get all my the words. Work you're doing with, with the fans. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> oh my God, Jaria, it's like so it's probably one of like the, it's like my second most embarrassing moment of my life. That is amazing. I mean, you know what I mean? But I mean, like the fact I need to see that picture now because you've never told me that story. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you. You can use it in promoing. Oh my God. On the- <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> and you can tell me. I'm drunk in it because I'm, I'm a little flushed. Oh, on behalf of all the gyms across the nation, thank you for all the work you're doing with fat people. (laughs) Good morning. Those fat kids. Like, (laughs) I I don't even know what the hell is is wrong with me. So embarrassing. Such a waste of a a time. I I hope you see just how uh, the perfect storm that was because that it is was. amazing. And I had spent the entire night drinking and trying to find Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> but she's so goddamn short, it was impossible. <laughs> I was like, I know she's here. <laughs> I got myself in the White House. I'm gonna go find <laughs> that lady. <laughs> and you said she's so short, you couldn't find her. No, that she's is so goddamn actually- short. I mean, I saw her way at the end of the room. I mean, it was like impossible to get to her. Okay. I ended up talking to, I made friends with like people, you know, I'd be like, hi, what are you, who are you here with? How'd you get invited? <laughs> like, I'm like the, the only one who's like, I have a friend that works here. And she added my name to the list. But the good thing is though, because you've worked in DC, you, you knew you could hold conversations with these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well versed in all of that. Yeah. And I thank people for the work that they were doing. I, there was a woman in Congress who was friends with my old boss and I like told her where I worked and all the stuff. And she was like, Oh my God, you guys are great. And we talked about, you know, global fund to fight AIDS, CB and malaria and all of those things. It was fun. I ended up becoming friends with this guy and he said he didn't know anyone either. And then people like came up to him and called him Congressman. And I was like, you said you didn't know anyone. And he's like, I'm a freshman. We haven't even been sworn in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's a Congressman, right? Right. <laughs> but he had just won the election and, and okay. he wow. hadn't, yeah, he hadn't been sworn in yet. So he maintained he didn't know a lot of people. And I was like, you liar. <laughs> I told you earlier that you had a fascinating life. Guys, me and Mandy were texting and she said, I'm on the phone. I said, who are you on the phone with? I said, what congressman? <laughs> what what leader of a foreign country? <laughs> I said, who are you? Who? And I, then I said, or someone in Bangladesh. <laughs> yeah, I <know. laughs> I, I, oh I'm God. very lucky to, you know, have had a lot of cool life experiences through you, you work and have. friends and travel and stuff. So, well, and we're lucky to be in your friend circle and the listeners of your podcast. We get to hear these stories. And I'm so oh, lucky to be your friend. You're a fantastic person to know. I am going to probably play that at the beginning of every episode. I have one pre-roll. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Taria, you're like amazing. You're incredible. You're um, so smart, you're funny, you're interesting, you have great takes on everything. You need to be on the real, I think. Okay, so you would be so perfect. Don't make my stomach hurt. Can I tell you? This was so funny. So when uh, uh, when Tamara was leaving, I told Corey, 
I'm going to do research and I'm going to find the person and I'm going to do an unsolicited submission and I'm going to do it. And I kept saying it, I kept saying it. And I loved Garcelle on Beverly Hills. Right. And then when it came out, she got the job. I said, she took my job. job. Yeah. Because in my mind, my dad has always taught us we could do anything we want to be. So for someone else looking outside in, they're like, that's impossible. I feel like we're all six degrees of separation from someone. And I felt like I really had a chance. I just never did the work. <laughs> so I was like, I think you still have a chance. Job. You're building your brand right now. People okay. are getting to know you. People love you. People are following you. You get a chance to interview housewives and, you know, have really important, interesting conversations. And I think this is where you're going. I think it's, I think you are made not just for, for podcasting and radio, but for TV for sure. I'm going to receive it because I'm learning to, I know, I know the power of words. I tell other people and I have a tendency to be like, Oh no, you think, thank you. I'm going to receive that. And I'm going to believe it and continue to, I would, there's nothing more. I would love to be able to have interesting, intelligent, fun conversation, you know, and something that keeps my brain smart causes me to have to do research and all of that. And I would at one point love to sit across from Megan McCain and shut her down the way <laughs> Sutton shut Crystal down. <laughs> but not in a not in that way, guys. I'm making a joke, you know. But no, no, um, I don't want you to be on the view. I th- I hear that it's a toxic work environment. Yeah, I, I, need to I be think the, the on the real or or, okay. or at least a, a talk show where it's not so toxic. I like the view to work. I mean, I mean the real to work. And then let's say I have not interviewed, but I just filled, not even filled in, but just for whatever reason, I, I guess to you could be, you could be a guest, guest host. Yes, yes, a guest host. And I would, I'm, you know, how you think about things in your mind, what you would say. And I've replayed arguments that me and Megan would probably have in my head. Yeah. I think you might be surprised. I find that she I pro- has interesting I friends. I was just going to say that. People that you wouldn't expect. And I think she's someone who is from what I've, scene of her friend group and people mm-hmm. that she keeps around her, someone who is not afraid to have friends or conversations with people who drastically differ and who mm-hmm. vehemently don't agree with her. And I think that she's could be someone that also changes their views. You're and I absolutely right. I don't think she's as hard line. Um, I think she f- feels this like she defensiveness. Has, yeah. She, defensiveness. And also that she has to like represent the conservative woman on the show because there isn't another one. Yeah, and that, yeah. so she has to like use the arguments and the, the thinking of mm-hmm. trying to get in the mindset, even if that's not how she feels all the time. Right. Okay. You know? And I think that there's elements of things I very much disagree with her on. Mm-hmm. And then there's other elements where I'm like, okay, I can, I can see where she's coming from on this. And you saying that it would be that I would meet her like that, that because there's people that I've been like, Never. And not that right. I close myself off, but just like, I don't really think. And then you meet them and you're like, I'm in love with this person, like as a yeah. friend. Yeah. I've, I just feel like she keeps a lot of people around her that, that I val that I value their opinions. Okay. okay that not would be not like Andy Cohen, but like other, you, right, know, right. Like I, you know what I mean? And um, I think she likes diversity of thought. And I think that's what she hopes that she brings to the view. I think sometimes it sometimes comes across as bigotry or, yeah. um, or like, why are you speaking on this topic? Like you have no life experience with it. Yeah. But 
I don't well, know. I'm not, I didn't come on here to defend Megan McCain. I just well, you that. you saying that she is a Housewives fan. Maybe I, I feel like I'm six degrees of separation. Maybe I'll try to have her on. Wouldn't that be funny? I think that would be really interesting. Honestly, I'm trying to get out of the like, like I told you this, like outrage mob. I'm trying to like, yes. if I don't like her, what, what's the reason to not like what's her? What's the reason? That's- and the thing, I don't like something she says, but I don't yes. know if that's core of who she is. There's is. a lot of people who say things that I really don't like what they say. Yeah. I've but- tried to say, I've tried to be better at saying I didn't resonate because I don't know them not to like them. These housewives, right. you know, so I, but it, it's interesting that you say that, that, um, yeah, I, I realized like with Sutton, I already know what it is. It's because she, what I saw, what represented something I saw before. So it's like, once you can kind of separate or, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I know I may say whatever, but I don't think Sutton is a bad person, but I know. Right. You know, People can engage yeah. in behavior. Yeah. That is bad and that is racist and Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily make them bad people we're all socialized to be that way yes white people uh, or white presenting people that we are socialized to be a certain way and we have to unlearn and sometimes the process of unlearning is really Really uncomfortable for everyone yeah i don't think there's anyone in the sutton crystal situation that felt comfortable and yes of course crystal was in the right and Sutton was in the wrong in this instance but that doesn't make it any easier yeah. on Crystal or on Sutton. Yeah. And like you said, I'm, I'm glad that they've come together and who knows, you know, what mindsets could be changed. That's the goal. Like you said. Yeah. And to change mindsets and, and behavior, hopefully. And yeah. And let's fight about things that aren't that now. Yeah. Now let's move on to like, you There's know, the things else, right. that you don't like about each other and have it not be about shutting down someone's, you know, personal experiences or trying to talk on yeah. their experiences. Well, speaking of goals, I did not meet mine. I told you that we would be done at 420. <laughs> I'm blaming you. I'm you blaming blame me. you. No, I'm just I just kidding. love talking to you. I know. That's why I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to stop, but I'm like, but then I also think like I get to talk to you in real life. Like guys, you know, it's funny. Monty, Monty cracks me up. Monty says, um, her listeners, if she says, this is my friend or this, they'll be like in her DMS, like y'all really hang out. Are y'all really friends? So (laughs) we actually get to see by the time this comes out, this is going to come out Tuesday. So when this comes out, I will have already been with Mandy and Chelsea and Amanda and Stephanie, um, and Samaj and Monty and Maya, and we're going to the winery. Yes. On Saturday. We're going to reenact. Oh, and, and Artie. Me and Artie have, Art, look, I said, Artie, I'm going to be your shadow. And I said, if we get uncomfortable, we'll go to the bathroom like uh, <laughs> Ashley. And then, <laughs> so she's we're going said, to the winery where there was the big fight between yes. Monique and Candace. Because well, I'm going to be is. the producer. I'm going to be James and oh, hold yeah. her. And we're going to reenact. <laughs> She said, but I'm not running or something like that. <laughs> I am so excited to meet Artie. I really Me hope too. she can make it. Me too. I said, I'm going to hug you so hard. And then I told her I'm working out an extra hour in case I run and jump on you. Or or no, I told Donnie that. I said I was going to work out an extra hour to jump on you. But with Artie, I said, I'm not going to jump on you. I don't want to kill you. So. <laughs> So I'm sure you guys will see our pictures of uh, the DMV podcast meetup crew, pretty much. So Mandy, if people don't already know, I'm sure they do. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you? 
Yes. My podcast is This Real Life with Mandy Slutsker. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts and you can find me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. And that's spelled M-A-N-D-Y slut S-K-E-R. <laughs> she knows I love that. <laughs> Mandy I, Slut, you will find me. <laughs> I first heard Mandy say that before her and I even talked on Hannah A. Brown's podcast. And when she said it, because I've listened to you, I love your voice. And I always knew with the way you do your introduction and just talk, you're really smart. And when you said that, it threw me because I'm like, she said that. It was so <laughs> funny to me. And I was, I remember I was afraid to reach out to you. And then you were like, no, don't ever be afraid. And then we started talking from there. So that was really great. But yeah, Mandy Slut Skr. Remember that. Don't call her that. Remember that though. Yeah, it's Slutsker, but it's it's easier to remember slut. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you go subscribe and leave a comment on is this real life? And just so you know, yes, Mandy is always this even keeled. She always has the same tone of voice. She almost reminds me like, okay, Taria, you don't have to be so loud because yelling. No, be loud. <laughs> no. Like- but even like in a um, confrontation, you know how sometimes you can get, I swear, I feel like you have the same. You have the no, same. I'm so boring. <laughs> no, but you are the opposite of boring, but you have an even voice, an even, even chill voice. So I just want people to know, like the voice you hear from Mandy is genuinely. That's my, it's my voice. It's your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.